Now Kerr, looking for the long, oh that's brilliant! And Sam Kerr has surely clinched the title now. World-class players do world-class things. Welcome to another episode of Fran Kirby's Fight Club. This is a top of the table edition of Fran Kirby's Fight Club. And I am Andre Carlisle and I am here with uh, Mariam as usual. Mariam, how are you? I'm really good. Um, I'm quite excited today because we're doing, like last week, we have a bit of a special theme to this pod. Um, but I'm just really happy that we won because I'm sitting here recording and it's freezing in this room. Um, every single week you ask me how I am and I always say, oh, this happened and that happened. But I'm always like... None of that matters because Chelsea won today and that makes me very happy. And of course, another week, it's the same thing. Love to hear it. And yes, it is a special episode because we have a guest. We have another Mm -hmm. guest. We're racking them in. After going like two, what, two full seasons without guests. (laughs) Well, we had a, I think we had one before, but uh, yeah, we're we're doing back-to-back guest episodes. This one is great. Really happy to meet this person individually without, you know, know her on Twitter, follow her on Twitter, but uh, really happy to meet and speak with Mia Erickson, the great Mia Erickson. Mia, how are you? Yeah, that was a yeah, that was a like big introduction. I feel I already <laughs> feel the pressure to deliver here. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm like Mariam just said. I mean, brilliant game, uh, good win, and I was happy already yesterday with the fact that Manchester United beat Arsenal. Mm-hmm. So uh, this was this game. Uh, watching this game was just a cherry on top. I, you know what? That is a perfect way to say it because I, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when it's when the title race is like kind of tight and Chelsea's already lost the game and you're trying to make up points, I get a little nervous, so I don't watch the games. So I didn't watch it, even though it was a big game. And then I saw the score and I kept ignoring. It. I was like, if I watch it, it's not going to go well. So I just ignored it completely <laughs> until it was three two at full time, and I was like, yes, I, I feel like I did it. I feel like I have some. Like I, maybe like five percent, I helped. It's funny you say that because I tell I tell my partner this, and he doesn't believe me. I tell him when players are scoring penalties, I have I can I swear to God this is a real thing, right? I I can make them miss penalties, and he laughs at me. But every time he's asked me to prove this, it's happened. There's not been a single time. So when you say that you know you use your manifestation powers to to help, I, I believe you a hundred percent. I used that power when I watched the game. I felt like I, yeah. I, I always like this because you know that uh, Rexona twenty-four hour intensive. That that's <laughs> very like appropriate to when when you watch a game like that. Yeah, absolutely loved it. And uh, and yes, this was a very good game, a very controlled game. We're gonna get right into it because it was Chelsea three, Spurs nil. All the goals were scored in the first half in the first 36 minutes. And I'll just run through them really quickly. Sam Kerr got us on the score sheet after a really lovely, um, just long distance distribution from Melly Bright. Um, Sam Kerr did the rest. Aaron Cuthbert signed a new contract, scored a banger. That's kind of the way it goes. (laughs) And we missed it. We missed Aaron Cuthbert's bangers. Uh, And then Gould Wrighton scored a penalty with probably... I know Sam Kerr's backflips are amazing, but this was a great celebration. 
I really appreciated the slow turnaround and the arms raise. I was, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I don't know how y'all felt about that. I've seen that before from Guru Reitan, actually. I mean, it's it, yeah. it's like very significant to her, I think, how she is as a person or or whatever. But it was like, you know, just a proper way to do it after a penalty, penalty like that, because that penalty was brilliant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was definitely something very like Cantona-esque about the slow turn and the arms and... <laughs> Uh, and I mean, we were at Stamford Bridge today, which the game that was meant to be the opening game of the season, which was moved because of the Queen passing away. Um, and so it felt fitting because it, it should have been that game. It should have been the first game of the season. And it you know it was meant to be a big start and it wasn't. So maybe this was, this was kind of like, you know, we had to move the game around. It was crazy, but we're still winning. A little bit, a little bit sassy, I think. There was some sass to that celebration. <laughs> Sassy Guru is my favorite Guru because I'm not sure there are any other kinds of Guru. It's just, it's my, <laughs> it's my favorite thing about her. She's so good. And she's just also, she's just one of, she's one of those people that I think is just, she's not, she doesn't mean to be funny, but she is incredibly funny. And I thought this was a great celebration and kind of just in, indicative of her personality, which is amazing. Um, I also wanted to talk about the, oh, real quick, I wanted to announce the attendance because there was, um, Tom Gary reported that there's 38,350 in attendance. I think we are going to talk a little bit about the Stanford Bridge aspect of the whole thing because it's not quite King's Meadow, but we should talk about that. But first, let's just get into the the lineup, I think, um, because this was Emma Hayes' first game back. Uh, she was on the touchline, which was great. Uh, Chelsea seemed like it was a pretty straightforward 3-4-3, it seemed. Um, maybe out of possession, there were some some different changes. It looked like they were pressing with a front two instead of a front three, but in possession, it was definitely more clear of a 3-4-3 with, um, well, first, before I go and, and name like who was on the pitch, is that how you, Miriam, and you, Mia, saw it? Did it seem pretty straightforward as opposed to what Chelsea had been doing previously? I mean, yeah, I, I think it it was... It's always kind of a surprise uh, when the game <laughs> kicks off and you yes. watch Chelsea play because that's the first thing you start to watch. Okay, how are they uh, lining up today and what formation do they play? But but yeah, it, it looked pretty solid that way. Um, I mean, all the, the CBs were up there at some point um, mm-hmm. just driving the game uh, and, and the play forward. And so it was, yeah pretty straight on which we saw the first 36 minutes yeah I think I think Mia's spot on with that it seemed quite like a very stable starting lineup for a Tottenham team that we aren't really quite sure of because we know that they can pull out eight eight goals in a game and we know that also they can be at the same time show performances like they did in the Northland derby not really always quite sure so I think um, it wasn't so much a lineup where you felt like we were conserving and preserving which has been like a, a complaint of ours this season. It was more like stability and, and assurance. And I think the midfield pairing of Cuthbert and Ingalls, which is fast becoming a midfield pairing that I'm really starting to have confidence in, it helped us a lot uh, break up possession in the middle of the park and, and keep our counterattacks occurring quickly, quickly enough to to begin to overload the Tottenham defence. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. It was it, it seemed pretty straightforward. So I'll just run through it real quick. Uh Berger was in goal, uh, as usual. Magda was left center back, Millie was central, and Khadija Buchanan was right. 
I think this is the second game in a row that we have seen Khadija Buchanan on the right. And thankfully, that is her best position. I am glad that she is finally there. Um, <laughs> Gore Wrighton was playing sort of a left wing back, even though she was very high up the pitch. It's almost it's almost like in possession, this was almost like a 3-2-5 because <laughs> Goro <laughs> and uh, Parise were really, really high. Uh, but Gore Wrighton was on left wing back. You had that midfield pairing that Miriam just talked about, Sophie England, Aaron Cuthbert. On the right, if Parise, and then your front three was Jesse Fleming, Sam Kerr Central, and then Lauren James on the right side. And Lauren James, just apologies in advance to Asmi Tael, uh, just had a really hard time with Lauren James. But that is, she's not going to be, she was not the first, not going to be the last. Lauren James is just very, very good. Um, so let's see what, I guess... Well, let's see. Actually, Miriam brought up the midfield a bit with Sophie Engel and Aaron Cuthbert. Mia, what was your uh, kind of analysis on them in this match? Yeah, my, my first, you know, initial reaction to the game today was, I mean, they have been stable before, of course. But, I mean, I've been sort of frustrated with Sophie Engel from time to time because I don't think the ball is playing, is being played forward enough when, mm-hmm. when the chances arrive to do that. But I think... I think the last few games, she has been really good with just breaking the lines with passes where, where you want them to come. And I think that with with the attacking lineup that Chelsea has, uh, that that's just, you have to do it that way with, with your midfielders, you know, because otherwise it it's just about playing out wide, down the flanks and crosses. And and today it wasn't all about that. So I'm very, I mean, I mean obviously, very happy to see that and you mentioned it I mean I'm very glad also to see that uh, Millie Bright is back next to Magda because I I think that that has been sort of an issue Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm sure they wouldn't say that themselves but it feels like it so it's more stable down the the left side uh, at the moment as well so uh, yeah I think I'm, I'm kind of interesting to see how how Cuthbert and and Ingle will because I'm sure that they will start against Real Madrid uh, <laughs> this Wednesday. Um, so I'm very excited to see how that will play out. Yeah, and I think you mentioned the the defense, uh, the defenders. You know, the back three. We've talked about that a lot. You know, Chelsea has done this hybrid back three, back four thing, where sometimes Magda's playing left back, and we nobody really thinks that's like the best utilization of her. But with the question was, if we're going to do it that way, let's just see how she adapts to doing it in this system. No, she plays left back for Sweden sometimes, but um, this has been different. But it didn't seem like we really had any of that today. It looks like it's straight up playing her normal position as a left-sided center back. And um, I, w- I want to read a tweet that Jesse Parker Humphreys uh, tweeted during the game, which I thought was pretty indicative of like Chelsea's control in the match. Which uh, Jesse says it, it says a lot that Tottenham have allowed all three of Chelsea's center backs to at one point of this match run the length of the pitch with the ball. <laughs> that seemed like that happened a lot. Magda went up, which we missed. We've been missing that. Uh, Millie went up, and then of course Khadija Buchanan also went up. So, uh, Miriam, what what was your kind of analysis of how the back three played, and especially in possession with how they tried to influence the game? I think it it really felt like there was a a very sort of comfortable sense in that each of them had had the space and time to go forward, and I think a large part of Tottenham's problems today um, were that they were very sort of flaccid, very you know not pressing, not sharp enough to second ball. I mean, Erin Cuthbert goal, which we talk about, she had all the time in the world to score that, and I think that they gave 
our center backs just as much time as they did with midfield without realizing that that's where a lot of our um, attacks start from, whether it's Buchanan uh, assisting or whether, as we saw for Sam Kerr's opening goal, Millie Bright putting a ball ahead. So I think for whatever reason, they, you know, that was the wrong tactic. That's where it began because that's that's often where our attacks begin from. So each of the centre-backs um, slowly built the confidence to be able to play forward. And as we say, each of them got forward. Um, Ericsson had a really good chance actually to score a goal. She did, she had this sort of this inside one-two, I think, on the, the left side. And it was saved by the keeper. But it, it kind of maybe showed that Tottenham weren't even thinking that element of how Chelsea build their attacks so I think although our midfield and attack were doing really great we had we had that sort of stability and understanding that we could always shift things if we needed to and start from even further back and they weren't pressing very hard when we were playing out from the back there were I do remember a couple of sort of stray wayward passes in the second half maybe in the 70 minutes plus where Spurs kind of started getting uh, better at progressing the ball and they had a couple of subs but apart from that I don't think there was any pressure at all and that that for me um, feels like the main point in which Spurs let themselves down and which Chelsea were able to build on. Yeah I think that's a good point um, and and you know we cannot have Mia Erickson on the podcast and not talk about Magda Erickson. So I want to not just this <laughs> game, but the perhaps the entire um, just just how she's been utilized with Chelsea so far. And given that, well, that question and then the follow up is, would you like to see this be more set this three, four, three so she can play a more familiar position? So the floor is yours to talk to us about Magda. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I had the honor to get a hold of her like raw data from the last season so I I I was really into that before when uh, before the euros I think because I wanted to know what her exact role for Chelsea was in numbers you know and raw data so you could see that um last season when they started to play with the back three uh, she was the center back to mm-hmm. to carry the ball up dribble and pass uh, stuff like that she is much less on the ball this season so for me i'm starting like thinking about okay what does this mean um but obviously i do think that there's a lot of things to take into consideration here because they have signed a center back like Kadisha Buchanan and then they have to utilize her in in some of the best way possible uh, but that means that Magda is like you said she has been like so playing sort of a left back in a back four or a fluid back line where it's it starts with a back three and then she drops down to take the the left back position so but the main point is that she is less on the ball and that ought to tell you something uh, mm-hmm. about about it all because she was their progressor. She had that role last season. And when she disappeared and was away for three three months, then it was Jonna Andersson who came on to take that role like in the backland. And they then went, they went back to a back four when Magda was away. Uh, so obviously I do think that a back three with... Um, Magda playing as a left um, left hand side center back is probably as a Swede. <laughs> I like to see that uh, because also of the Swedish national team, um, it's a lot of discussion in Sweden at the moment about the fact that the Swedish national team ranked uh, second in the world 
the players in a starting lineup where we talk about the be- our best players. Uh, not a lot of them uh, plays regularly in their clubs mm. uh, because they've they've been signed by great clubs and and Magda is one of the players that have been playing regularly for Chelsea. But I mean, from an analytical perspective, when you watch at this, you know that you know it's all about the details every time. I mean, when they go to training uh, every day, <laughs> week in and week out they train on the details and if they train on the details and behaviors and patterns that's the natural thing to behave and do uh, during games so i think i mean mis have have a team uh, that has played a lot of fluid uh, like positional things all over sometimes you can't even like it takes like <laughs> like ten minutes to to yes. get a hold of okay where is this player play today uh, so but I do think that's from today I think I hope we will see Magda in this role and position more often um, but but it's it's different also because I do think that in a couple of games I mean when when the half of the season is played it's going to be very interesting to see uh, the average per ninety. Uh, touches passes from Magda uh, because I looked last week and then it's dropped from like 58 passes uh, per 90 to like 50 mm. and that's yeah. I mean that's pretty much uh, mm. looking at a center back so and Miriam did you have anything you wanted to add to to the to the backline discussion because really I think we kind of talked a bit before we started recording and and the match was pretty controlled from Chelsea and you know the rest of the match like after the goals there's some interesting things that we'll note but pretty much you know it was it was which is a very good thing for Chelsea but it was it was job done you know pretty early and they managed the game after that but Miriam did you have anything else you wanted to add about uh, Magda or the back line? I, no I think I think we had to pretty much hit the nail on the head um, it's it's interesting to see how that will be managed going forward because it seems like the, the back three is the way forward for us. We have a lot of comfortable possession that way we can defend strongly. Um, the relationship to, towards the midfield is very strong. So it seems that we're heading towards that way. You know, obviously out of possession, sometimes you do have to revert to a back four. And and maybe that's where Magda might be more useful. But as you say, it can it affects the numbers and the stats. But but in, in saying all of that, she has she has still been able to form, perform to an adequate adequate level in that role um I've definitely seen a progression in terms of improvement I think we we were a little un- unhappy with what she was doing a few games ago but last week and the week before she's she's improved so it, it shows that at the very least she can hold that position and while Emma Hayes figures out what she wants to do with the defense um she did make that substitution as we said Jess Carter did come on um and it was just after half time. so we know that you know, Emma Hayes is perfectly capable of, of experimenting, seeing what works and, and capable of making changes when it happens. I, I think today it wasn't more of a tactical thing. I think it's just because of, of Ramajid on Wednesday and um, how, however much individual players have had to travel over the international period. So it's it's good to know that there's there's room for experimentation, but also room for pulling things back when necessary. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. I actually found it very interesting that this is the like most normal Chelsea lineup in, in like game plan that we've seen uh, in, since really since Emma's been out. And I figured with Emma back, you wouldn't see such a straightforward uh, lineup. But she came back and was like, well, straight up three, four, three. That's what we're doing. Uh, and I appreciated it. And it worked quite well. Um 
I wanted to, before we move on, because we do want to talk about the Real Madrid match, because this match was, you know, Spurs has gotten better. And we've talked to, you know, our guests, if you listened to last week's pod, you know, our guests were, you know, the uh, N17 women who do a podcast specifically about Spurs. And they talked about, you know, where they are, their growth, what they know. And they've, they've kind of understood that, like, getting a point from Chelsea would have been great, but not expected, of course. And so I'm sure they're, they're, they're not feeling too great about how this match went. And uh, apologies to them. I don't think any of us had our prediction right um, <laughs> for that match. Uh, but before we, we kind of move on and start talking about um, perhaps the Real Madrid match, um, are there... Uh, okay, we have to talk about at least one of the goals, right? <laughs> at least one gotta, of them. We've got to do the Aaron Cuspel one first. Yeah, I was going to say. If that one isn't the goal of the month, if that one isn't <laughs> given the award, we revolt and rebel. Because it was just, I guess, like, um, uh, some of it's the fact that she had all the time in the world. We talked about that before. I think Spurs will probably feel, you know, they'll rue the fact that they didn't have somebody marking her so closely. But beyond that, you know, there's a bunch of players... In the box, the keeper is is you know in a really good position. Well, it seems the keeper is in a good position, and the shot involves a lot of dipping and curving. All of that can affect you in that moment. Again, you're playing at Stamford Bridge, the game that was meant to be played on the first day of the season. This is Emma Hayes' first game back. She's watching the players in real time. There's a lot of pressure in in various different ways, but Erin Casper does all of that. She takes all of that, and she's still able to produce a goal that just just top top stuff and I don't know how she does it because she keeps doing stuff she scores goals she only scores bangers we talk about it a lot um Facts. and and each one just is just amazing in its own way but I think this one to me feels special because of of everything that was on top of her in the moment and of course we haven't even mentioned new contract she's extended mm-hmm. her contract with Chelsea so it, it was pretty fitting that that just after closing in on that she's she's scored an amazing goal and Mia, there were three goals. You get to choose your best, but there is a right answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would be kind of stupid to, to not say Erin Cuthbert, but to me, it was like, you know, I, I thought that the Tottenham backline and, and the whole way they defended that uh, set piece was like, okay, how can they give her so much time to like, okay, I'm going to shoot, I can aim and just, you know, strike. Uh, So that was, yeah. And then the more I watch the replay, it's like you can see the ball, what what a curl it takes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because first I thought the Swedish commentator said at first, oh, she, like Korpela, she should have saved that. But then when you when you watch the rerun in slow motion, you they, they said that okay, maybe she shouldn't. Uh, because it was a it was a nice uh, very nice strike. Uh, but also I we, we have to talk about, you know, Millie Bright's almost goal. Uh, in <laughs> the one that hit the crossbar because I yes. I was like her her new nickname is by the way Mali Millie no rest for the wicked, uh, bright. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we just refer to her all caps golden boot winner, uh, Millie um, Bright. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she. I was I was really too. wanting one for her. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I really wanted one from her. Uh, but yeah, that Aaron Cuthbert strike was just ridiculous. I just I, anytime. You see a ball that's struck like that. I mean, cut across it. Basically, the curl goes inside out. That's just really difficult for a keeper. The pace of it, 
Um, like you got, like you both said, a lot of space for her to do that, and not far out. Basically, top of the box, which you should be able to. You shouldn't really have that kind of time uh, to do something like that. But yeah, once I saw it hit, and I saw that the ball was not rising much, I was like, oh, this is gonna be a goal. Like the goalkeeper was pretty much irrelevant once uh, Aaron got everything right, and she absolutely crushed it. Okay, so. Let's just, oh, 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 that's right. I forgot. We wanted to talk about the Stanford Bridge angle of it. Um, I'm not going to do my thing and like do make this a leading question. I'm just going to ask. Uh, and maybe I'll start with Miriam. Um, Stanford Bridge versus Kings Meadow. The floor is yours. Um, <laughs> it's definitely stranger, I think, and, and weirder to be in. because It's just a lot more space. It's a le- lot le- less intimate. Um you can't carry your voice across as well. Sometimes we're at the King's Meadow, you can hear what Emma's saying. And then, um, so I think it, it definitely feels unfamiliar, but I think that's why the performance matters even more. I think that's why it's even more impressive what we did today. A um, couple of things I didn't like. One of them, which is the fact that there was a Mexican wave, which is just, <laughs> we don't, we don't stand Mexican waves on this podcast. It just That would never happen at the King's Meadow. People would, would rebel if that happened at the King's Meadow. <laughs> Didn't like that. Um, as we know, there were thirty eight thousand over thirty eight thousand people. So that mm-hmm. it was really great that that was able to happen. Um, a colleague of mine, Suzanne Reich, she writes for the Guardian. She talked about seeing loads of children on the train going up, and I think that's a cool bit because it you're creating a space where people can go where it's affordable. You know, you're not having to pull out seventy, eighty, ninety pounds. Actually, it's really cheap to go and watch uh, women's football. So I'm really happy that that was able to happen. But I think a lot of what makes King's Meadow special to Chelsea and special to women's football is that it's a very intimate setting. It's it's easy to access. It's it, You get the core element of Chelsea fans who are there because not just because they think women's football is cool or, or like it'd be cool for them to follow, but because they're actually interested in it. Um, and although we do need more of those people, uh, I think it's important that we keep we keep what we have Um and so I'm all for having more games at at the at Stamford Bridge because obviously it means more people can access it and get it there. But I don't think we should become too reliant on on that. We don't need men's football or men's stadium to to be big in women's football, to be big as women and and female footballers. We already have that as our own right as our own individuals. It's it's really nice to have that extra element to it, but we don't need it, you know. Um, and I think people get a little bit lost on that. Mia, how do you feel about the the move? Yeah, uh, I can say that I have, uh, I can bring into different perspective on that. And the first thing is that I watch from Sweden. So it's a much better TV angle <laughs> um, at Stamford Bridge because I don't like the TV angle uh, over King's Meadow. Um, but also the fact is that I've, I actually been speaking about this before. Sometimes it's not... I mean, I get the atmosphere thing. I really do, because that's that's an important part of the game. But it's also like the fact that I do think that the clubs need to do this more often to make a statement about the fact that we want uh, our women's team to to be able to perform on at the biggest stage we have. Uh, because I I know that we. We're not there yet where we can fill fill up the whole stadiums every week in and week out. Um, but I do think that for, I mean, now when it's the Men's World Cup, it's a perfect way to, to do it. 
and for the Champions League because the fact is that I was kind of stunned last season when when Arsenal hosted Wolfsburg uh, in the Champions League. And they, I mean, what, what was it at the Emirates? Like 5,000? Uh, and I was like, okay, how can this happen? Because Wolfsburg is like one of the best teams uh, in Europe. Um, and that's, you know, and then it was a lot of talk about because they were supposed to play uh, against Tottenham uh, at the Emirates on Saturday. So all the marketing had gone into that game uh, because then it was like, okay, but there you have it. You see what you do when you, when you do proper marketing. Uh, so I think I understand um, the perspective of, of the atmosphere and, and everything like that. But I do think that if we're going to move forward and like just it's just a statement from the clubs to when they market and have a game uh, on the main, sta- main stadiums that that like, yeah, here we are and we're here to stay. And I like that also. Yeah, I think I'm. I kind of am with both of you. I I do like understand the impact it has on the atmosphere in the game. Um, it it can't be King's Meadow, at least not yet. I think at some point eventually we'll be able to get that, um, the exact same atmosphere. But it's going to take some time. But I think you do need to have these games in the main stadium so that you know you get more people into it. Because and the main thing is you want to make sure you entertain them. And I think Chelsea did that. And so anybody who hadn't seen them, they got a chance to see them might now be more interested in going to King's Meadow or definitely when they come back to the bridge, they'll be very interested to go see this team, follow the players. So, yeah, I I kind of agree. But, yeah, I mean, different pitch, bigger pitch, all of these things, not the same atmosphere. It all has an impact on the game. But, you know, um, I'm I'm kind of with both of you. I'm I'm sitting on the fence. (laughs) I'm with both of you. I think you're both right. Um, Let me go ahead and wrap up the rest of the game because we're not going to talk too much about the second half because basically – Chelsea just kind of controlled the game, which was what was needed. I thought it was really smart not to make a change right at halftime. I think you wanted to see how Spurs were going to adjust and react to being down 3-0. So they waited a little bit. But then in the 51st minute, you got Magda Eriksson was the first off for Jess Carter. Uh, Then Bethany England about 15 minutes later came on for Sam Kerr. I thought that was important because... Both of those players did the long flight from Australia. Um, they were in Australia for the international break. Thought it was smart to make those be the first two off. Um, Frank Kirby also replaced Aaron Cuthbert. We had Svitkova showed up, uh, a rare Svitkova sighting. Uh, she <laughs> came on for Gua Wrighton. And, and an even rarer this season, uh, now in sighting, she came on for Kajiji Buchanan and uh, Spurs. The main thing I was looking for is can we continue to keep control of the midfield and control of the game without it becoming wide open? And I think I was very nervous, very, very nervous, actually, when uh, Aaron Cuthbert came off because I was like, we've seen Jesse Fleming be in a midfield, too, um, and she dropped back to kind of stay with Sophie Engel. And Jesse Fleming, as much as I like her, she is not Aaron Cuthbert. And so I was a little concerned about how the midfield might react to that, but Seemed like it was okay enough, and certainly Spurs didn't get on the score sheet, and there were only a couple of maybe half chances created, um, some long shots that went right to Berger. So um, that's kind of how I felt. We don't need to talk about it too much, but if any of you, Mia Mia or Mariam, you have anything to say about the second half, let's do it before we move on to Real Madrid. Uh, I think I think I'm good. I'm I'm ready to move on. Okay. Yeah. Mariam me too. <laughs> Just two words for the second half, and that was well-managed. There there it is. I like that. Um, All right. So basically, 
Chelsea has a very big Champions League game coming up against Real Madrid. I didn't even look at this, so I'm not even sure if it's at uh, at Kings Meadow or if it's away. Do we? Is that is it away in Madrid? At, I think it's at Kings Meadow. Ah, yes, it's at Kings Meadow. Okay, yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, Chelsea is currently top of the group with six points. Real Madrid is second with four points. Um, PSG third. Very interesting. With a goal differential of negative one. Very, very interesting. And for Bosnia, just hanging out down there, getting just beat up. Goal differential, negative 10, zero points. And, you you know, welcome to the (laughs) Champions League, I guess. Um, So uh, before, let's just dive right into it. Mariam, um, expectations for this game, scouting report on Real Madrid. Give us what you got. Well, I was going to say, you mentioned PSG. I was going to say, this is this is what happens when you don't give us the player that we wanted. <laughs> the the gods that be of, of magic and chaos. Um, well, actually, no. you know, <laughs> you see that. Maybe this is part of the long-term plan. If oh, PSG is out of the champion, don't, don't make it out of the group stages. Come on, Grace. Let's January. Let's, come on. Let's um, let's manifest this. Let's put it in there. <laughs> let's put it in the next session. Um, no, you are right. I did spend some time doing some research on Real Madrid just because... I don't know quite a lot about them, and I I felt like this game warrants uh, a bit of a deep dive. So currently they are second um, in the division behind Barcelona. Uh, it's it's been quite un- unpredictable for them this season. You know they lost four nil to Barcelona quite recently in the El Clasico, but then they win four nil against Villarreal. They 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 draw two two to Levante. It's almost like you're not really quite sure where all the pieces are yet. Um, I looked quite thinking about which game to pick in terms of really looking how they play, and I thought I saw that they lost four 0 to Barcelona. I thought that's got to be it, right? We've got to see exactly what Barcelona did. Of course, we're no Barcelona yet. We're not maybe at that level yet, but we can still look at that game to see what's going on. Um, and the goals that were scored in that game, actually, the first goal came in the third minute, and, and straight away I saw that Barcelona were really pressing hard and countering hard. Um, you could see that the the front three were almost in a sort of semi diamond shape, right up against the back um, the back of um, Madrid's defense. Um, you could also see it was forcing them out position, creating spaces, and that that's how Von Matis, who scored the first goal, that's exactly how her goal came from forcing players out position. It seemed as if Madrid were really struggling of of whether to stay in a, in, in a compact shape or whether to follow individual players. Um, and then after the third minute, it literally felt like every minute after that, there were chances in which Barcelona could have and should have scored. Um, there was a shot that hit the crossbar, fair enough. Uh, the Madrid keeper, Misa Rodriguez, I, I couldn't find the numbers on her, but I have to say she probably was Madrid's best player. I mean, she saved so much. The fact that it was only 4-0 is probably down to her. One of the other reasons why, though, and I would say that there was some misplaced shooting from Barcelona, they had um, 21 shots uh, on target. 21 shots, sorry, um, in during the game, and it felt like that they could have scored a lot more. Um, and Real Madrid was really struggling with that element, with the the sort of the volume of of counters that were happening. Um, one other place I felt like maybe you, you could see Real Madrid was struggling were definitely corners and crosses, um, because you could see that from the routines themselves, the corner routines and the set pieces. Madrid were marking very closely to the goal itself, so the goal mouth you would assume to protect from rebounds or deflections and shots or anything to stop from from you know ball slipping in. But actually, it creates a lot of space for cutbacks and passes, and that's actually how goal number two and three happened. Um, and so you could see that 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 there seems to be kind of a mismanagement in that sense. 
So they were really trying to stop sort of like small, quick movements from going through, but they were actually opening themselves up to a lot more. I think both of those points kind of point towards um, a lack of sort of communication and almost clarity on exactly how to deal with specific like opponents because it wasn't so much that Barcelona was just really, really good, which obviously we know they are, but it was more that Madrid were really unable to deal with certain elements of the tactics. And I think that Chelsea can also do that similarly. We can be really, really good or we can conserve that and focus on specific weaknesses. Now, I will say that um, there are a couple of players, obviously, in the Madrid squad. Like, you know, we know Caroline Ware. She's gone there from Manchester City. We know how good she is. Um, another player I wanted to kind of bring up was Garcia. I won't say her first name because it's just... I'm absolutely going to butcher it. But she is a player who is known for instigating those attacks. She's got a 60% pass completion this season. Um, in terms of starting, that's been a bit unpredictable for her. But she does have five goals and two assists across all competitions this season. Um, and it kind of shows that they do have individual players capable of doing things like that. I mean, like I said, they, they have scored freely this season. They scored four goals here and there, two, two against Levante last weekend. But they're still sort of a bit where you're kind of thinking these are individual players are really good, but how do they come together? How can they face a team of whether that's Chelsea standard or Barcelona standard? Um, and if we are going to think of how to assess that and how to approach that then maybe we need to try to look at see how Barcelona did that which is to focus on crosses and and um and as as many runs as we can on bylines uh focus on areas and cutbacks and passes which I to be honest today I felt like that was a thing that we were doing anyway Cuthbert and um uh, pushing up really high on the edge of the box obviously her goal but Lauren James as well there was always that moment where you felt like whoever was going to make it to the byline could cut back and it kind of makes me think that that's what Ashley Neville was thinking when she conceded that penalty. So that's maybe one way we can do it. Um, and the other way, which is what we're already doing, is pressing. Pressing really high, pressing collectively, forcing players out of position. And I think that um, if you look at the opening goal that Sam Kerr scored, you could see that um, Spurs' centre-backs, the two centre-backs, they actually pulled away. They were out of position. And then eventually they, they tried to catch up, but Sam Kerr was just too savvy to to be able to be put down by that. And although there were three of them, she still managed to score. So those two things I feel like we're already doing anyway, but maybe we just need to think specifically about how to do it more and maybe to a better level. And Mia, how do you view this game? Kind of how, what have you seen from Real Madrid this season? And I think specifically you, because you talked a bit about the Chelsea midfield. How do you see the midfield battle shaping up? Uh, yeah, that's actually kind of interesting because um, they have a Swede in Real Madrid uh, that is uh, Freya Siri Olofsson and she played uh, as a central midfield midfielder against uh, PSG. Uh, the thing is with her that I w- she's not anywhere near Erin Cuthbert in quality, but she's sort of the the same player profile, like the destroyer. Um, because she's very good at destroying and disrupt uh, the game. Um, so so that's one thing. I'm very keen to see if she's going to play uh, against Chelsea. The fact is also that Real Madrid, I mean, it's, it's their defense that lacks um, in every department of the play, like the, the back line. Um, it's not the same quality as Chelsea, <laughs> nowhere near it. I would say um, so, but but the thing is that they have great attacking players, very fast, and also 
what strikes me when when uh, looking at Real Madrid is that they they were the only team that could manage to even disturb Barcelona last season um in in the league and in the Champions League when they played the quarterfinals against each other the first leg you could you can see that there are like signs of what they know they have to do if they're going to beat a team like Barcelona uh, and then it's like Mariam said, uh, they have to do it as well. You know, what the coach tells you to do, you need to do it. And they're not there yet. But also the fact is that they, they have been starting to build a new team. They have been signing some new players like Sandy Toletti uh, from France. And then you have a player like uh, Freya, uh, the Swede. She's not in the Swedish national team yet, but if she is getting playing time in the Champions League, you can see that. And, and I can see if they chose to use her. <laughs> I mean, she can really, like, irritate Chelsea. Uh, if I mean, and also if Chelsea are, like, forced to play uh, down the flanks, that's the only way they can, they, they can play, uh, then I can see Real Madrid, they are going to cause problems for Chelsea. Uh, but the thing is that overall, Chelsea should win because they have quality all over the pitch, from the goalkeeper to the attacking line, which Real Madrid doesn't, they don't have that. And you, you touched on it. I mean, obviously, defending set pieces, crosses, that's usually where Real Madrid breaks. Like, they break when when they have to defend a lot of crosses and 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 good set pieces so i would say it's a chelsea game at home uh, and i i'm sure that i'm confident to say that i will be very disappointed if chelsea can't manage real madrid at home yeah i definitely think that's quite fair i am uh, like you a little scared of real madrid's attack uh caroline weir loves to score against chelsea <laughs> so that's uh concerning uh but uh as mariam mentioned garcia um their top goal scorer at least in the league right now has five goals but they seem to spread it around a bit because weir has four esther gonzalez has had a very very good season so far she has four as well I'll be honest, one of my favorite non-Chelsea players is Athenia Del Castillo, and I'm scared of her. Every time she's on the ball, she is a terrifying prospect. She can go by just about anybody in a 1v1. Uh, she has a couple goals, but just she can unbalance a back line really, really quickly. So I'm a little concerned about that, but I do agree in in midfield. I am pretty familiar with, with uh, Freya as well. She played in the States here for a little while um, in the NWSL. Um, and then of course, uh, the back line, I agree. We should, if we get the ball there, we should be able to have some fun or at least carve out some pretty good chances. Um, let's see. I'm wondering, Miriam, do you have any direction you want to go? Maybe I should ask for like the player you're concerned about the most. And this can be concerned of from a Chelsea perspective uh, that you want to see, or you don't think we'll have a good game, or this could be a player on Real Madrid that you're just scared of, because I mentioned mine in <laughs> Del Castillo. I'm very scared of her 1v1. I think possibly you got uh, you mentioned it, Caroline Weir, only because I've, I've I've got the chance to see her play internationally a lot of times last year. Um, and, you know, I've seen her in the Manchester City colours. She 
really is very capable in in a very multi-diverse way like you would think it's not just attacking um or scoring goals it's also picking out passes it's about um being sort of very visionary in where the ball must go to progress attacks um just things that are a little bit of a step above your average player in terms of of decision making and thinking things that can surprise a defense and and it's like it makes it much more unpredictable and i think she's a very smart precise um sharp player um you would imagine that she would be the one in the middle that can make those short passes can break down defenses can and can see where players players will run and probably will be one of the more experienced heads and how to manage to do that against Chelsea so I think that's the one I'm scared of I feel like our midfield at the moment has been really strong because we've had um we've had Ingles there and in the past we've had some issues with with how she plays in that role but I feel next to Cuthbert there's a lot more assurance um in terms of allowing like a player like we're to go on and go forward but at the same time I'd be lying if we if I didn't say and you know we talked a lot about it we didn't really sign a number eight we didn't sign a player like that um uh, Kankovic hasn't been around enough to to be cemented in that position and obviously Leupold's Leupold's um is going to be out for a while so if there's, if there's one area where I think that might be exploited and maybe defensive midfield, but at the same time, as Mia was saying, I feel like the strength in in a, in a back three, if it does start with a back three, and, and the power of our attack should push us forward. I wouldn't be surprised if she scores. And and maybe it will be one of those games where we just accept that we'll concede once. Um, but I feel like if we can find a way to... to get her away from the ball and maybe it's about specifically man marking or um or trying to make sure that the possession is is in width areas rather than central then i think that's where we got to go yeah mia how about you yeah i'm scared scared of the fact that uh, if their goalkeeper misa will have the game of her life like because that's the only way i see this like a game that Chelsea will lose that if they don't score on the chances they, they they will get and create they will create a lot of chances but also it's a midweek game um it's the middle of November we all know the drill it's like if there if if Misa will have will play the game of her life even though and and the the finishes aren't like accurate and and killing enough uh I think that's what's gonna like decide the game um, because I'm I like I said I, I I mean I might eat my own words because Real Madrid obviously is a good team uh, we've seen them play Manchester City twice um, or four times if we're gonna be uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like but but the thing is that they are a good team and the Spanish league is a good league I mean. <sighs> Real Sociedad, they gave Bayern Munich um, a fight uh, to go into to the group stage. Uh, and, I mean, we saw it versus, against Juventus last season, midweek game. Um, they just were compact, uh, defended really well, and they they also didn't have the, the best backline. So it's all about, like, creating and being sharp when the opportunity comes uh, and let's just fingers crossed for Misa to not have the game of her life <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that because the game that I watched back the Barcelona one I said it before if if it wasn't for her like literally 
I don't I couldn't even find the numbers. It's a real shame because it's so easy to do in men's football, but she must have saved so many shots. It shouldn't have been four nil, it should have been way more. Um there was some simply stunning saves. Um so it's, it's as you say, if we see it I mean they still won four nil, so what does that tell us, you know? But at the same time I wouldn't be surprised because Every season, we always have one game where we already had the Liverpool game. We always have some games where we really struggle. And if the goalkeeper is in that kind of form, then maybe we're just going to have to, we're going to have to be really, really clinical. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, it like makes us very, and, and it's just her energy. There's something about a goalkeeper with that kind of energy that just like gives a team confidence. It can make them like, because you forgive a lot of mistakes and then the player says, okay, I've got a, I got a second chance at this, even though I got beat in this way or let off this shot. So yeah, she's, she's another good one to keep the eye on. I think it'll be very interesting to see how Real Madrid approach this game. Um, they just got by, I think it was a 13th place team in the league, uh, 1-0, Sporting Huelva, who they just beat of the, of the weekend. So they clearly, probably, I didn't watch that game, but I would say, given the scoreline and the position on the table, perhaps they had an eye on the midweek match as well. Um, didn't look low, so from their lineup. Lineup was still strong, but um, perhaps, perhaps it was a little different. And I also say uh, Real Madrid sometimes, especially when they want play Barcelona, sometimes they go out front and attack, and sometimes they sit back and try to close off spaces. So I'm very intrigued to see the approach they're going to take with Chelsea, uh, especially traveling to Kings Meadow. You kind of assume it's going to be the one where they sit back a bit, but that could also be dangerous, and they might just say we're going to go ahead and press it and see if we can get a goal and force uh, Chelsea to do something. But that leads us to Miriam's favorite part of the podcast, which is predictions. Yes. Mariam always forces me to give a prediction. And now that I'm hosting, <laughs> I get to force everybody else. I, no, I guess I'm going to have to do it too. Uh, but yes, yeah, scoreline. And Mariam's also added in who's going to score the goal scorer as well. Yes, and specific minutes too, by the way. Oh, minutes too. Okay, I'm well, that's them. just rude. <laughs> we got Well, this is Mia's first time. We have to haze her out, you know, flesh her in. <laughs> we want her to come is. back. <laughs> uh, that's true. Um, not to make me have the, the most wrong uh, answers I've, I, I've well, ever. That's on you. That's on you. If you say something that doesn't happen. Yeah. See, that's, that's, that's where I always get nervous time. about it. Because I'm like, I'm going to sound like an idiot. People are going to be like, you thought this game was going to be. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I just, I like watching the games. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. No, I, my, my Rexona 24 hour intensive just got started again. <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> So uh, we're going to give Mia some time to think, and I'm going to say, Miriam, I'm going to put you on the spot. Everyone. Your predictions for this game. We're going to go, of course, scoreline and goal scores. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very specific, as I am every single week. Um, <laughs> conceded in, have conceded very early in this season. I've, they conceded in the third minute against Barcelona. They've conceded early a couple other times too. I think that this is an opportunity to really push them from the start and force a mistake because any any goals that we can score in the opening 10 minutes are going to be big goals um I say that we score in the opening 15 minutes um I think it's going to be Sam Kerr because frankly to be honest who else you know um and I think that we are going to win that game 3-1 I think that Gura Wrighton is going to be involved in some way I mean I, I say these things like this happens every game Gura Wrighton definitely assists every game Sam Kerr yes. definitely scores every game yes um <laughs> I think really that, going out on the limb here. <laughs> I think that that Madrid will equalize. It'll be one all. Um, but I think that we are just going to turn things up because even even today, of course, respectively, Spurs are no Madrid. But we didn't have to get out of second gear for that. We were able to conserve. Um, 
we had a very strong bench and I think that we are just going to be able to to show the strength in depth, strength in squad, strength in positional um, versatility. And I think that we are going to be able to then go on to win 3-1. Um, if you guys can live up to that depth of explanation in predictions, go ahead. Andre, I think you're next. Oh, am I next? I was gonna, I was gonna let our guest go because I'm so gracious. Of course you are. <laughs> I, I, I can, uh, yeah, yeah, I can go. Uh, I'm thinking that Frank Kirby will start. Uh, I want her to start now. Um, obviously, they played really well today, but I do think that going like looking at the season ahead uh, both Frank Kirby and Penilla Harder out uh, on such a, an important position I do think that Frank Kirby will put an assist uh, up front for Lauren James to score uh, against Real Madrid who Chelsea never played before in the ninth minute Oh, <laughs> and then we will wow. see a header from Sam Kerr somewhere along the line around minute 39 can you imagine and... if any of this happens <laughs> if you have like this I yeah i think 2-0 chelsea and that's that's it you know what so Pressure's here's the thing uh mia <laughs> if this happens you're going to have to come back every single week <laughs> yeah i'm going to be like that you know what was the animal that predicted the games in the world cup like, oh, the octopus? Yeah, the octopus. <laughs> <Yes. right>. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, so now the pressure's really on me. I should have gone when Mariam was trying to get me to Told go. Told you, you didn't even listen to anything I say. So <laughs> much pressure. Um, wow. Yeah, I, I, okay, so I was thinking definitely a Lauren James goal, um, but I don't think it's going to be the first one. I'm going to kind of take a piece from Mariam because I do think Sam Kerr gets a goal. I do think that as much as everybody knows how good Sam Kerr is and that she only scores goals where whatever continent she happens to be on, I still think that she is a very, her movement is just a very different proposition uh, for players, for a, a back line to contend with. And she should have plenty of opportunity with the Real Madrid back line, uh, especially once they figure out or them trying to solve her as a problem. So I think she's going to score. I'm going to say, it's going to be a nervy start, so it's not going to be an early goal. I think it's going to be a goal maybe just before halftime, something like the 38th or 41st minute. There we go. 38th or 41st. I'm getting very specific. Can you have options on the minutes? No, like no don't do it. It's cheating. Mia's killing me right now. Okay, fine. Yeah. 41st minute. I'll stick with that one because uh, it just sounds right. Um and then I think it's going to be a, a halftime talk that is going to come out and then Chelsea's going to have a much better second half. I think an early goal, this is where Lauren James comes in. I think a Lauren James goal in the 48th minute. Ooh. And then I think we do get another goal off a set piece. You know what? I'm calling it right now. Golden boot winner Millie Bright gets a <laughs> header in the 78th and it's a 3-0 win to Chelsea. Woo! Um, I finally made it. <laughs> we are going to listen back to this, by the way, next week. No, we're I'm not. Saying it, I'm saying it here so people call us out on this. We will listen back to this to see who was the closest, and that person gets a trophy or something. <laughs> yeah. a, a, trophy. a boot advisor or something like that. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, I always hate doing that. So now this is going to be, so now the game's not going to go anything like any one of us did, <laughs> and we're all going to look silly, but that's just fine. It's Fair all Mary's fault, is basically what I'm saying. No. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. So I think we are done. Mia, thank you so much. If you uh, let the people know where they can find your work, how they can follow you, whatever, because you're great. You've been in this space for a while and exceptional analysis. So let the people know. Yeah, I'm, I would be really happy to mention that uh, on, on Tuesday uh, this week, we will release our 50th episode of uh, my podcast, Their Pitch. And uh, it's with uh, Leon player, uh, Damaris Egorola. So Ooh, make sure to listen because that, that's, it was a very good episode to record. That's and all I'm saying. No, not your Twitter <laughs> handles, or you don't want people to know where you are, or, or yeah, where they yeah, can no, your Twitter I'm, handles. I'm good, yeah, I'm 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 at Twitter as uh, anyone um, with the Mia underscore Ericsson. Okay. Now, now okay. I, I learned I I teach you guys to say Ericsson in Swedish. Yes, we, I'm glad I'm glad you said that because I I feel like no one says it that way. Everyone just says you know the the British version, which is not anywhere close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm saying Magdalena Eriksson in Swedish. It but sounds so much nicer when you say yeah, than I, what I can. We're nice people here. <laughs> oh, oh, and 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 one more thing. Can you just before we go? Can you confirm to the people that you're not a Chelsea player? Because anyone who finds you online or asks me about you is like, oh, you're friends with that Chelsea player, right? But my, my yeah. partner said, I said that to me, and I was like, no, this is a person, a real person. She exists. <laughs> not every single Eriksson is a. It's it's actually kind of funny because uh, the thing is that we have the the son uh, short names that's the most common names in in Sweden and and Eriksson that's like I, I think it's the most sec- second or third most common common name uh, in in Sweden like that so whenever people ask me if I oh are you related to to Magda and then I'm like no I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> You should just say yes and just go with it and be like, yeah. Yeah, I'll go with the flow <laughs> for a while. No. All good. Well, we really, really appreciate you joining us for this episode of Fran Curry's Fight Club. As I said, if your prediction turns out to be 100% accurate, you will have to come back every single week because we're going to need that prediction. We're going to need to know in advance how to feel about the next game. And the only way to do that will be through you, apparently, if you are yeah. correct in this round Madrid match. There you go. <laughs> um, and we uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fran Kirby's Fight Club. We, Miriam and I, will be back. We might have a guest. We might not. Who knows? It'll be Mia if, we're, if, if she's right. Uh, but yeah, we will be back uh, to talk about the Real Madrid game and the rest of the season. 